Good morning. This morning, another uh, topical sermon um, we have, and we will um, dive into various passages of uh, the New Testament. Last week, I shared with you uh, about serving. I talked to uh, you about particularly that serving is our calling. Why is that? Well, it's because we are all servants of our Lord Jesus Christ, and he is the greatest servant. He is the prime example of servitude. And as our Lord, as our example, what did he do? Jesus himself came here on earth, not to be served, but to serve us, to serve our greatest needs, to deal with our sin problem that we can address, no matter how good, no matter how accomplished and experienced and knowledgeable you may be. And now, as his people, as disciples of Jesus Christ, as we follow the Lord, as we imitate our Lord Jesus, it is our duty and responsibility to serve him as he served us. It is our duty and responsibility to serve his church as we serve one another, the body that he placed us. Because, once again, service, serving is our calling. So I share with you three most fundamental points that we need to be mindful of when it comes to serving. We need to understand three points. The first point that we need to understand regard to serving is this. The basis for our serving is the cross. The reason for your service to the Lord as well as his church is the cross. Because if you truly know the cross, not here, but down here, if you truly experience the love of Jesus Christ, what he has done, not here, but here, therefore you are filled with gratitude, with thanksgiving, then you will serve. You serve him for what he has done for you, how he loves you, and you serve the church that he loved the most. The second thing we need to know about serving is this. The barrier for serving is selfishness. The barrier for serving is selfishness. Folks, when we forget about the cross, how can it be? How can you and I as Christians forget about the cross? But tell you what, it happens. When you forget about the cross, when you forget about what Christ has done for you, you also forget about your calling, your responsibility, Therefore, you become self-oriented, self-centered, and no longer be interested in serving the Lord, serving the body. The barrier for your service to the Lord, to the church, is your selfishness, me, myself, and I. Finally, the motive. The motive, the basis for service is the cross. The, uh, the barrier for service is selfishness. 
motive for serving is love. Love. Yes, serving is our calling. Yes, serving is our duty and responsibility. But we serve not out of necessity as some sort of a requirement for us to receive eternal life. No. We serve out of love. We serve out of gratitude. We serve because the Lord served us and He loves us. He loved us to the point of death. He loves us now and He will continue to love us and carry us through for all eternity. Amen? The basis, the motive, the motive, the reason, the purpose for our service is the love that we receive. As I shared last Sunday, church, this is something that we have to be mindful of. If we are going to imitate our Lord, I want to be like Jesus Christ. You know, back in the days, remember Gatorade's uh, commercial, I want to be what? I want to be like Mike. Okay, it's, I feel the generation gap right here. I want to be like Mike. You don't play the game but you want to be like your idol, your icon. So what do you do? Your tongue hanging, you're, you're drinking getaway. You don't play like him. You don't jump like him. But what do you do? You imitate him. You want to be like him. And as Christ's follower indebted, and he is your Lord, he is the king. So you want to be like him. You resemble your Lord most closely when you serve. Amen? When you serve, you're most like Jesus Christ when you serve him and when you serve his church. Not when you read the Bible. Hey, I'm saying this as a pastor. Not when you read the Bible. Not when you come to service. Not when you give or pray. You look like the Lord himself when you serve. Can I get an amen? Now, here is another topical sermon, obviously, about serving. And I want to ask you, do you do checklists? Do you do checklists? Do you list items that you have to do? It's like a honey-do list for yourself. It's to-do list with the task in mind. I, I believe in checklists. I love checklists. Why? Because it keeps my focus on the task. It keeps me straight, keeps me not forgetting or missing the detail, important items that I need to uh, perform, I need to do. So I do checklists. Now, if our calling is serving, if serving the Lord and his body it's so important to us. I believe, don't you think, we need to have checklists set so that we will know these are the things that are important as a servant of Jesus Christ. These are number one item, number two item, three, four, down the list. Why? Because I don't want to forget. Because I need to keep my focus on the very task. What will be on that list? Serving is our calling. Serving is a, the most uh, 
closest thing that we could do to resemble our Lord, then if it is that important, what are the list of the items that we need to perform? We, we need to have in ourselves. I want to share with you, there are many, but three most important things that we should have it on the list. The very first item that should be at the top of the list for any servant of Jesus Christ is faithfulness. Faithfulness is the number one item on the list. Being faithful, church, being faithful is number one quality that we must have as servants of Jesus Christ as we serve him, as we serve one another. Faithfulness. For this, I want us to turn to Matthew chapter 25. In Matthew chapter 25, verses uh, um, earlier than 21, but I want to focus on 21 through 27, and I want to look at the parable of the talents. Now, the focus, 21 through 27, I am looking at, we're zeroing in, in the uh, reaction of the master after he comes back from a long journey. Notice in the parable, the master, before he took this journey, he had three servants, and he allocated a uh, different amount of talents. One received five talents, the other received two talents, one the last one received one talent, and he went away. Now, when he returned, the portion that we are looking at is this. The servant who received five talents made five more talents, right? The person who received two talents made two more talents. The person who only received one talent buried the talent and dug it up when the Lord came and just gave him the exact talent that he received for however long ago it was. What did Master say to these servants? Now, to the first two who received five talents and two talents, the Lord's response, his reply to what they have done is identical. Verses 21 also in verse 23, the master said to them the identical response, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Same identical response. But to the one who didn't even invest one talent so that the master will receive interest off of it. To him, the master said, you wicked, slothful servant. In other words, you evil, lazy servant. Is this the first time you encounter the parable of the talent? You read it before, have, have you not? You might even have received or heard uh, one or two sermons in this parable. Now, what's the point of this? What's the point of this parable? What is Jesus' point of telling uh, this parable to the disciple along with everyone? What's the point? 
is it that there will be uh, uh, people, there will be people who will receive different amount of talent? Is, it, is that the point? There will be a person who will receive from the Lord 10 talents, 5 talents, 2 talents, 1 talent. Is that the point of the parable? Is it that there will be a day when the master returns and he will either reward you or punish you? Is that the point? You see these elements in there, but I tell you that's not the point of the parable. The point of the parable is very straightforward and out of what we just read. It's about faithfulness. Folks, it's about faithfulness. What does it mean to be a faithful servant? That's the whole point. You see, Jesus doesn't say in the parable, well done, good and skilled servant, does he? He does not. He doesn't say, well done, my good and skilled and gifted servant. He doesn't. He just simply say, well done, my good and faithful servants. It is on being faithful that the Lord himself, Jesus himself, puts that emphasis, being faithful. So again, what does that mean, to be faithful? Particularly a faithful servant of Jesus Christ, what does that mean? Now, in the New Testament and Old Testament, it's pretty straightforward. If you are being faithful, that means you remain loyal. That's what it means. You are remaining steadfast as a servant in his relationship to his master. Being faithful means you display, you demonstrate your lasting loyalty, your consistent loyalty, and you demonstrate your trustworthiness. That's being faithful. Right? So as one, who trusts in God's promises. As one who believes that Jesus has been uh, raised from the dead. As one who testifies, tell the world about Jesus being the Lord. As that person, you and I, as disciples of Jesus Christ, you and I must be faithful. What does that mean? You got to be loyal to the Lord. You got to be trustworthy to the Lord. You got to be committed and reliable to whatever task the Lord entrusts you to do, to carry out. Faithfulness. As a pastor, for me, being faithful really is simple for me to define. Being faithful simply means showing up to me, just showing up to church ministry, church events, and anything that body is gathering to do, showing up. To me, as a pastor, that's being faithful. What that means is simply you are making yourself being available, being available. Because one person that does not show up is one person who won't care, who 
who can't serve and who can't be trusted. Right? What this means for the church, within the church, if that person doesn't show up, then someone else still has to fill in and raise up and serve more. So by simply showing up, by simply being committed to make yourself available, is essential to being a faithful servant. You could bury your talent and you go away. And you only do what you want to do. You only show up when you want to show up. That is not being faithful. Because being faithful has nothing to do with how many talents you have. It's not about 10 talents, 5 talents, 2 talents, and 1 talent. It's not about that. It's not about being faithful has nothing to do with the role that you play, how insignificant that might be or significant that role may be. It has nothing to do with you being faithful. Because for the Lord, as we see in this passage, whether or not if you have been uh, faithful, or whether or not, I should say, you have many talents or less talent, it's all about whether or not you have been faithful for what you are asked to do. Because he will set you over much if you are faithful for a little thing. I ask you to take out the trash. And you take out the trash week in, week out. And I realize you are faithful. Then what do I do? I can trust him. And it is no problem for me to add and ask more things to be done. Because he has demonstrated faithfulness. You work in your places, anywhere you go. Whether your boss look at you, is he faithful? Can I count on this person? Jesus says, if you have been faithful over little, I will set you over much so that you may enter into the joy of your master. Grace point. Serving is our calling, amen? Serving is our calling. Then the first item as we serve on the checklist, whether or not we are a good servant, the first item on the top of the list has to be faithfulness. And you need to ask yourself, are you loyal? Are you committed? Are you trustworthy? Are you reliable? In other words, are you faithful in showing up, making yourself available and using the very talents that God has provided for you? Because there is no person in here that has zero talent. And it's not about talent. It's not about, oh, you only have one, I have ten. No, it's not about that. A good servant, being a good servant is being 
faithful. Amen? That's on the top of the list. The second on the list should be for any servant of Jesus Christ is humility. It's humility. This is what Paul famously, if you look into the New Testament about definition of humility, then you will be addressed to, pointed to Philippians chapter 2. Paul says to the Philippians in verses 3 to 8, I'll read that to you. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So above that in the first Two verses, he is asking unity, be like-minded, same-minded, care for one another, and all of these things. And then he goes right into humility. And after he encouraged them to do this without selfish ambition, no conceit, and really counting everyone to be more significant than yours, before you look into your interests, you will look into others' interests first, right? And then he goes this in verse 5, have this mind, have this attitude among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is an amazing passage when you try to understand what Christ has done. Especially, this highlights his humility and obedience. And I will say more so in humility of Jesus Christ. This is the epitome of humility. This is the definition of humility if you need to find one in the Bible. Counting others more than yourself. Considering the interests of others uh, more important than your own interests. This is what Christ has done for us. What did he do? In humility, Paul says, the Son of God, the author, the creator, who existed with the Father at the beginning. As a second person in Trinity, what did he do? He took on the form a, of a servant. He was born, the God himself was born in the likeness of man, and he did not ask when he was here, ask or demand his divine uh, uh, rights or privileges. But rather, he served us by giving himself up, even to a point of death upon the cross for us. But that means he would put us before himself, before his life, before his well-being. As Jesus humbly served us, he calls us to follow his example. And in order to, uh, for us to serve like he did, what do you need? Humility. You need to humble yourself. We are to put 
the needs of others first. But let's face it, is it easy? Because we're not taught that way. This is unnatural to us. It's just hard. What do you mean? I will consider you and your needs first, and I will think of myself less and think of you better? Folks, this is a hard thing to do, and this is foreign to us, being humble. Because the world teaches us every opportunity you have, you step over this individual. Cutthroat. It's all business. You move up. If you're a nice guy, you're not going to get your turn. No matter what it takes. It sounds nice. Killer instinct. There's no ounce of humility in this. This is celebrated in the world we live in, in the culture we live in. But humility is what we need if we're going to serve as Jesus did. It requires us to put aside our own desires, our own preferences. It, help, it, it requires us to focus on the need of others. I don't have time. I don't have money. I don't have this and that. And I don't even have enough. And you want me to what? Serve others. Give to others. Share. You know, this is the first thing that Milo will come to understand, Matthias will come to understand, and, and my children went through it. It's not your preference, it's not your desire that needs to be met. That has to be taught. The world does not evolve around you. If that is not communicated early on, it will be very difficult for that person to form a meaningful relationship down the road because there is no humility. Humility requires us to be willing to serve in whatever way that is needed for us in any given situation, even if it is not the most glamorous, not the most prestigious role that God is asking us to do. And the reason for that is because of Jesus. As he demonstrated upon the cross, he demonstrated serving is not about him, certainly serving is not about us. If that wasn't about him, as we serve him and serve the body, folks, it's not about you. It's not about you. Don't make it about you. If you make it about yourself, what happens? There is no possibility of humility happening in your life. It's about God. It's about the Lord. It's about others. And we need humility in order for us to truly serve. This is what Rick Warren, retired pastor now of Saddleback Church, when it comes to humility, he said this, humility isn't thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Make sense? When you humble yourself, it's not that you are now less. 
when you humble yourself, when you serve others, put them first, what you are doing is you're not thinking of yourself more than them. You think of yourself less. You don't ask that question, what about me? Folks, being humble means putting Jesus first, putting, putting others first, thinking about Jesus first, and that is at the center of our heart because a good servant is humble. Amen? Humble. So faithfulness and humility, here's the third and final idol. There are many to go, but I don't have that many time, right? I don't have much time. But this is, to me, the most, three most important thing. The final one that should be, should go on on our list as we serve the Lord and others is teachability. Teachability, folks. A good servant is teachable. Now, what's unique about this is this. If you don't have number one, being faithful. You can't work on number two, being humble. Teachable, it's going to be extremely hard. It's going to be very difficult. So prerequisite for the item number three is verse two, you being faithful. You being available. You being reliable, trustworthy, and you being humble. And then teachability takes place. Now, what is the dictionary definition of teachability? Teachable, being teachable. It's pretty simple, straightforward. A person who is willing to be taught. Teachable, willing to be taught. But this is more than just simply uh, uh, studying for a test. Teachable, being teachable is just more, way more than learning new materials or skills. Being teachable is way more than that. It is being, as I said, faithful and humble, but also willing and, and be moldable, shapeable in any given situation, in all situations. You are ready to Listen, you're ready to learn so that you can grow, so that you can improve, so that you can serve better. Folks, let's say if you're looking for someone to come and, and make important repairs and improvement to your house or to your car. If you're looking for someone, do you want someone who has spent hours of learning and hours of uh, experience where they were able to perfect their uh, trade, their craft? Do you want someone who is respected and recommended in their respective field? What's the answer? It's no-brainer. I want someone who knows what they're doing, right? This is my first time. Either, either you're very, very 
reliable person somehow in our discussion or, or I have really good faith in you. I want someone who knows what they're doing. I want someone who spent some uh, uh, proper route, gone through apprenticeship, or gone through uh, educating oneself, and went through uh, all the time of experience and were able to uh, be taught, not by just the book, but by their bosses or someone who is more knowledgeable, therefore he or she knows. Ins and outs. He or she went through through trials and errors and experience and gained the wisdom and knowledge that one needs to deal with various uh, uh, problems that one will be certainly be faced with. I want someone knows what they're doing. I want someone who has a great deal of experience. I would not want someone that has no training no experience, no knowledge. Now, First Timothy chapter 4. Paul spoke to his spiritual son, Timothy, about being a good servant of Christ. Now, in that book of passage we have, I'm going to summarize what Paul was saying to Timothy. Some important words are in there. And pay attention to some of the verbs that Paul used here. Paul, the spiritual father, spoke to his spiritual son, Timothy. This is what he said. Train. Train in the words of the faith. Train in good doctrine, good theology. Train yourself in godliness. Set a good example before others, before the member of your church, in your speech, in your conduct, in your love, in your faith, in your purity, so that no one despises you for your youth. No one looks down on you because you are young. Devote yourself in reading, teaching, giving encouragement. Do not neglect your Gifts, God-given talents, do not neglect it. Practice these things. Everything that I talked about. Immerse yourself in these things so that all may see your, what? Progress. When you learn, you grow. When you learn, you gain knowledge and wisdom. Keep a close watch on yourself. Why? You have not arrived. You're not the master yet. You have not experienced. You have not learned everything there is in this world. You know, one of the hallmark of these CEOs and successful people, what's the key? They learn. They remain being a student. Teachability, folks. Be persistent. That's the last that I see here. Again, this is what Paul, the master, the, the veteran, the, prof, uh, the teacher, the professor, prescribed to Timothy, the pupil, the, the rookie, a son. And guess what? 
as a pupil, as a, as a rookie going into ministry, as a student, he was teachable, folks. He listened to Paul's advice. He accepted Paul's discipline. He prepared himself. He practiced himself. Practice? Are we talking about practice? Yes, I am. Practice. He practiced what was taught. And therefore, what happened? Paul's insight becomes Timothy's insight. Paul's experience that Timothy has years to accumulate becomes what? Timothy's experience. Paul, through his love and care and teaching for his spiritual son, Timothy, and his humility and faithfulness on top of his teachability was able to grow this man into a man of God. Powerful instrument for the kingdom of God. So folks, are you teachable? Are you teachable? And if you are teachable, do you listen? Because if you talk all all the time, you're not listening. If you're not listening, you're not teachable. Do you take advice? Are you willing to accept correction? Are you okay when someone points things out to you? Do you have that willing, open, teachable heart in you? Because a good servant is teachable. Amen? I know, amen just dropped tremendously from first two points. Grace point, let the Lord Jesus and his word teach you every day. If you have someone mentoring you, not just your uh, uh, career, but in faith, if you don't, you need to seek one out. You need to have that spiritual tie. But even if you don't, you have the teacher. You have the Lord willing and ready to teach you every day whatever you need to learn. Because there is no one better than teaching you than our Lord Jesus Christ because he knows you better than yourself and his lesson each and every day will be tailor-made, customized for you. But the question is, are you willing to listen to him? Are you willing to listen to the Spirit of the Lord speaking to you? Are you willing to be molded and shaped? If we're talking about um, putty, that's possible. Oh, yeah, shape me. But if we're talking about hardwood, marble, granite, I'm willing to be shaped and molded by you, Lord. Chisel and hammer is on its way. It's not going to be comfortable. It's going gonna, it's gonna to feel uncomfortable. It's going to feel your ego, your pride will be challenged. But that, that is why you need to be faithful. That is why you need to be humble. Who knows better? Who means good? Folks, we need to read the board, 
read the Word. The more we read the Word, more we spend time with the Bible, the truth is this, the more the Bible reads you. You know what that means? More you read the Bible, more it reads you. What that means is it shows you what you need, where you are lacking, what you need to work on. It reads you. But more importantly, when you read, it also shows you ways that you can be faithful, ways you can be humble, ways that you need to work on to be a good, faithful servant. That means what do you have to do? You got to be Mary, not Martha. You need to leave all that busy stuff out of the way, and you need to sit at the feet of the Lord himself as he teaches. Does that make sense? Do not lose that opportunity to learn, hear his words. You got to be willing to sit at his feet and learn from him. That means you read the word. Spend time with the word. It reads you. It will reflect the condition of your heart to you. A good servant is teachable. Amen? Amen. My friends, the day is coming. And this day is closer than yesterday. And this day is day of Christ when he returns. And when he returns, when we stand before him, we will hear his remark. Well done, my good and faithful servant. I entrusted you with little, but oh, this is what you have done. Enter into the joy of your master. To some, he will say. To the other, you wicked, evil, slothful, lazy servant. I look forward to that day. I look forward to the day of Christ, and it is my hope and prayer, my desire, that I will have run faithfully, I will have labored faithfully, fruitfully until that day so that I hear those very words. What's on the list? Faithfulness. Make yourself available. You're reliable. You're trustworthy. You're committed. You're humble. You put the Lord first. You put others first. It's not you being less. You simply don't think about yourself more than you think about others. And you remain teachable, moldable. You listen. You accept. You ask for criticism. The room that where I can grow and improve. Because my desire is to serve my Lord better and serve and be better at being a servant in my calling. Amen?
Good servant is faithful. Good servant is humble. Good servant is teachable. Let's take a moment to respond. If you have listened, whether it is through your own understanding, whether it is your through your own standard, I ask you: lay aside. I want you to let the Spirit speak to you for the matter that we addressed. You. Are a servant of Jesus Christ. Serving is our calling. The cross happened to us. It changed our lives. We do not exist. Christ lives through us. It is our love and profound gratitude that enables and motivates us to serve. Oh God, what needs to be on our list? As he was faithful, we need to be faithful. As he was humble, we need to be humble. As he remained teachable to his own father, we need to be teachable. What are we lacking? What do we need to work on? How can we serve the Lord and His church better? The Spirit of God spoke to you already. He addressed it in your heart. The what's lacking, what needs to improve, He spoke to you. What I desire is in your own word. In your own words, I want you to offer your heart's desire, your response in your prayer, and I'll close us off. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the time you have allotted to us, and thank you for the opportunity that we were able to offer this time of worship to you. Thank you for the message that we needed to hear. Not only you saved us, but you have granted us privilege to serve you. God, we're here, placed in Jesus Christ, living this life here on earth as a stranger, a foreigner here on earth, passing through. Our hope is in eternity, our eternal life with you. But while we remain here, our focus is to carry out Your will, to see Your plan being fulfilled. Not ours, not our plan, not our desire. But yet, oftentimes, yes, serving is our calling. Yes, we are called to serve You and Your church. Yet, how easy it is for us to focus on ourselves. How easy it is and difficult it is that our needs are greater, and we do not see any room to sacrifice. Because if I don't let this, if I let this go, God, I will lose everything. Everything will crumble down. I will not know what to do with my life. My plan will disappear. My life will collapse. Forgive me. With our unbelief, God, I pray that we will understand when we live by our identity, live for our calling. That is when we look like the Lord. That when we are most 
ready and dangerous for the kingdom of God. Give us faithfulness, Lord. As you are faithful, help us to be faithful to you in small little things. It's not about the talents, but it's about you. God, will you help us to be humble as the Lord himself in his humility gave himself up for us. Help us to be teachable, ready to listen, ready to accept, ready to say, yes, Lord, how may I serve you, Lord? May the grace point your church be known for its servitude. And let that be our hallmark. And that is the only way that we will truly shine, that we will truly be the beacon of this community. So God, equip us, charge us, and lead us each and every day. Send us to our mission field. And may we truly serve wherever we go, wherever you place us. We thank you, Lord. We pray that you will go with us, go before us, protect us, and bless us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.